Just wanted to give you a quick warning that this episode contains some explicit language. So if you got some kiddos in the car, you might want to turn it down or turn it off or turn it up if that's your thing. Either way, just be warned and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, July 6th, 2017, otherwise known as International Kissing Day, or... Oh, watch out, boys. <laughs> yeah. If you want to keep the uh, the food streak alive, it's also National Fried Chicken Day, so... Oh, I like that one more. It's a good thing we're not recording this in person, I guess, huh? Mike, mute your hangout. Ah, oh, shit. Sorry, guys. Okay, it's fine. Here, just say whatever you had just said. Oh, I, I was just... Um, it's a good thing a good we're thing. not... Re- <laughs> Good thing we're not recording in person, right? Hell yeah. <laughs> Whoa, easy. I, f- I find it a little bit disappointing. Well, because I just don't want to be around you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to ever be in the same physical room as you guys, so it is a good Oh, it'll wow, that's kind of mean, right. man. Soon, but, yeah, we're going to have to do a meetup at some point. We'll have a good Applebee's meetup. It'll be great. We will. Yeah. No kissing, though. Maybe we'll get a, a rival <laughs> podcast to have a meetup at the Old Western Sizzler. Yeah. Oh, it'll be like Anchorman too, with like the with the, oh. the where they, the, the rival <laughs> broadcast teams fought. Yeah, yep. for real, to the death. Anyway, Although, he said oh, I, I stabbed I, a man I, with a trident. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like our chances. Yeah, yeah we're. Uh, ooh, that would be good. Be yeah, people should have a uh, battle of the podcast. Well, we got. I think Ben's our strong guy with the MMA background, right? Yeah, yeah we're yeah, we're gonna rely heavily him. on him. Plus, Mike, you've got the youth, probably. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll come in uh, fist, with Fists of Fury. I've got reach over most of the other podcasters, probably <laughs> so. I think I like our chances. Anyway, I'm Chris Salamone from Four Eyes Furniture, and with me as always, Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. Hey, everybody. And Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Hello. What you guys working on? Um, a, a lot of things. I just uh, mixed together some two-part silicone from uh, Smooth-On. Not a sponsor, but awesome company in general uh, and shout out to them for actually providing a lot of really great information and content about their products so i made these wood planters that were basically just blanks that i then just poured silicone over to uh create some concrete molds so did they all work out first try i haven't demolded them yet so Ooh, that's the real cautiously, <laughs> cautiously optimistic um, yeah but they didn't float to the top which is something that's actually ha- happened to me before in the past i Want to make some? Uh, what do you I, mean, float to the top? Sorry. Well, before I three D printed some some pavers that I want to make, right? So I three D printed like the the form of what I wanted these concrete pavers to be, mm-hmm. and then I poured silicone over them, and I had sort of hot glued them to the bottom of the oh. mold, but they floated and they mm. broke loose from the the hot glue, <laughs> and so I come back and it's like it ruined like a hundred dollars worth of silicone because. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, working on that, I had a little bit of a detour where uh, I got asked to audition for a a TV show, mm-hmm. and big uh, time, uh, not Mr. Really. Hollywood. <laughs> no, not not so much, right? <laughs> so it's that like uh, you know they they email me, and normally I always say no to these things because especially ones that are sort of contestants based reality shows. I'm like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want to be a contestant. You know, right. maybe a judge or something like that. And this one, you don't like, want to oh, be no. the guy that looks bad. Right. And so they <laughs> they they got me interested because they said, oh, Nick Offerman and Amy Poehler are involved. I'm like, oh, those are two people that actually I find really talented and interesting. So you, yeah. you got my interest. And then they're like, well, it's a show on sort of craft and making. 
And I'm like, well, if it's on craft, I'm not interested. Like this isn't craft is not something I really do. I'm not, I don't knit. I don't uh, do like fine little, you know, hand carvings or figurines or stuff like that. Right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good designer. If it's about design challenges that I actually have to make, you know, okay, I, I, I'm down. They're like, yeah, well, we're, we're just really figuring it out. We really just want to, you know, we really like what you bring to the table with the sort of mix of digital and making. And, you know, we just think you'd be great for it. And so we're really going to cater around you. I'm like, okay, but just to be clear, if it's about craft, <laughs> not, not interested. interested. <laughs> um, so they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then they come back and they go, congratulations, you made it to the second round. I'm like, okay. And they're like, are you excited? I'm like, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe, <laughs> but not really. Cautiously like, yeah. excited. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're, You're not like, well, just like openly just being like, yeah, I'm into it. You're actually being reserved. <laughs> they're probably yeah. not used to that, though. They're probably like most people are like, oh, cool. I'm made, yeah. to, you know, they're just excited to be on TV. They're like, we now you now have the opportunity to do a test project for us. Ooh, I'm like, the oh, opportunity. I'm great. less excited. Right. The opportunity <laughs> to do free work. Uh, yeah, that's that's great. Um, I got a ton of free time. Right. Uh, so I'm like, all right, what's I'm like, and I'm thinking, well, you know, I can always probably try to like turn the project into something else I can use. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, so what's the project? And they're like, it's a holiday diorama where you take your favorite <laughs> holiday mam- memory and turn it into a diorama. And I was just like, okay, remember the part where I said like I don't want to do want to craft. And they're like, well, but you know put your own spin on it, right? Like, we really want this project to be you. It's just a starting point. So so do it your way. And we need, it, we need a rendering or drawings of it in two days. Oh, yeah. So you got plenty of time to do it, too. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. I, I can think of my right. feet. And I think it's actually smart that they actually do something like this to see if people can come up with ideas and execute oh, yeah. on them quickly. Good point. So I'm like, all right. So I'm like, diorama. Eh. Like what? Like a freaking manger scene or something? <laughs> That's all I'm picturing. Is also, like, where's the baby Jesus like, going? Well, my first thing must be like, oh well, you know, I should pick like a satanic holiday and do something like really dark. Um, <laughs> so I was like, no, no, no I'll, be, I'll like be a good sport. So I'm like, okay, I, I, I tried to take it seriously. I'm like, okay, well, so Thanksgiving is by far my favorite sort of family holiday. Yeah. I like it because it's not about any sort of religious kind of stuff. It's just. It's just like food and family and the idea of being like humble and grateful for, yeah. for killing Native Americans. Sorry to bring the show. Well, that's no, but <laughs> that's, just, that, that, <laughs> right. So, I mean, that's uh, so <laughs> I did something <laughs> and my my background uh, ethnically is 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 diverse. So it's like uh, and culturally as well. So like Thanksgiving at my parents house is awesome. It's like the most fun like all my friends come like they'll often be like eight to ten of my of my friends from college and high school all showing up but it's not just i mean yeah it'll be turkey and you know pumpkin pie but there's also going to be like sashimi like my dad will go tuna fishing like a week before and like there'll be like sashimi there'll be like uh uh, my mom will bake this like really amazing sort of like danish bread so there's like there's kind of all these different kind of cultural things represented in food nice so i said well instead of like how you know, if that's my favorite collection of memories, I'm going to create like a diorama that's actually functional. So even though they okay. only gave us like a 12 inch by 12 inch area, I, I created all these different, like I designed all these different, like uh, kind of like food serving boards or like dishes that all out of different materials that would all slide into this one wall mounted rack. So ah. it would look like I'll post an image of it on the on the Instagram. It'll look like this, like kind of collage, like this very sort of like modern 
abstract painting of this these different materials sort of overlapping like wood stone corian mm-hmm. different types of wood you know some a bamboo cutting board so it'd be like one would be like a serving board like out of corian which would be great for like the sashimi because it's like you know very impervious it'd be like a bread board that slides in and so it's like okay it's not really a diorama but involves the same layering and you know symbolically each one of these sort of materials that comes into it sort of to me represents a different food type it's like culturally right. appropriate and it does embody my favorite right uh thing. your experience so, of it right exactly not to mention it's like more functional which is right. what you focus on right making functional stuff so i sent it off to them so i stopped what i was doing cranked it out you know didn't spend a ton of time on it but whipped up a quick uh rendering uh-huh. sent it to them and they, they go, oh, this is great. Uh, we have a few notes. And I was like, oh, oh. shit. Uh, stop. Here, Here we comes. go. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. They're like, well, we really like your creativity. And it's just so inventive. And this is exactly what I want you. But we don't think it's a diorama. And I was like, well, why not? And they're like, well, there's no pictures of There's seeds. no baby Jesus. I'm like, no. oh, so you want like basic literalism. Yeah. And so, you know, we, we sort of go back and forth and it was good natured and they were initially like very polite about it. And then they're like, I'm like, well, you know, I could sort of put like, you know, images on it, but I think it would just make it frankly a worse design. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'll, 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 you know, I could put like a, you know, assign each sort of material that sl- or each sort of serving dish that slides into the slot to like a family member and put like a, you know, uh, I could en- engrave their face on it with my CNC or a laser cutter like they're. <laughs> Freaking Dale Earnhardt Jr. NASCAR place. Uh, if, if, Collectibles. If, if you really want to take like the design and taste down a factor. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, if you could just tweak it or maybe add it. And I was like, hmm. And then the part that really sort of got me is they're like, well, you know, this show is like for, uh, you know, this show's a very broad audience. And they started doing the thing where they're saying that this isn't what we want. It's what mm-hmm. we think the audience wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, you know, it has to be more Thanksgiving-like. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, for my family, they're not particularly, you know, uh, they're not, they weren't pilgrims and they weren't Native (laughs) Americans. So uh, this is representative of this holiday for me. Mm -hmm. They're like, well, you know, but like for like Americans, I'm like, oh, hold on, hold on. Dang. (laughs) I I know just because my last name may be ethnically Japanese doesn't mean I'm not American. Right. Right. And from what I understand, America is kind of a melting pot. So, you know, maybe this sort of like multiculturalism. And I argued that like sort of uh, when you're trying to show a lot of different cultural ideas all in one piece, abstraction is probably a good way to go because it kind of doesn't make it about I'm not trying to mix in like uh, like Japanese characters in with like sort of Danish words. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. So I I actually argued in the sort of little write up in the description that they had me do that. Like, no abstraction is the way that I can create sort of a, 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 a a lowest common sort of design language where I can connect all these different cultural references. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, you know, but this is for America. And I'm like, well, you know, fuck you. I am American. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Um, that's crazy. So, yeah. So, uh, I, I don't think I'm going to be on the show. That's you know what I think. Yeah, for real, I, I I don't blame you. I think that's crazy that even that early into the process, they're already trying to like mold you into like a stereotypical like character for a TV show. You know what I mean? Like they're already yeah. trying to like look. Look, this is I, who this is the yeah. character you should be for the show. 
Hey, right. even, no, no shade to them. Like, I'm sure their job is hard, and I'm sure right. they have bosses that are telling them what to do, and they're just parroting it. I just felt it was a little... The only part that annoyed me is I just wish they would have told me from the first place, and I wouldn't even take the time to do that. So that was the only part yeah. that sort of irked me, is that they said it wasn't about craft, but it was about craft. Um, <laughs> and that, that's that's fine. Like, I, I hope the show does really well. I'm sure... Like, I actually think doing a craft show is a good idea. I think there's a lot of people that have a lot of cats and uh, want to become future hoarders and that would love a show like that. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I'm Aspiring probably not a good... hoarders. <laughs> I'm not a good fit for that. Right. <laughs> Right, like well, that's uh, a great that's a great thing to turn up, put on the the TiVo right after a nice Applebee's meal. If yeah. you uh, <laughs> if you do decide to take a second stab at it, and you're looking for a different holiday, I have it on good authority that today's National Fried Chicken Day. So that's a make, good holiday. Make that diorama, National Fried Chicken holiday. diorama. You know, I actually <laughs> I interviewed to be on a show one time too. My my brother's friend signed me up for it. Um, he's like, hey, Chris makes furniture. I'll sign him up for this. And uh, I don't want to say what daytime talk show host that has a furniture show it was but anyway uh so yeah i did like the first kind of skype interview thing and like just from that half hour conversation like you would say something and i could feel the producer guy like trying to like lead me into saying certain things i was like there's no way i would do this thing even if i am chosen yeah yeah i yeah i could see that that skype i've done a few of those skype interviews and i could see how that i think you would come across as less funny than you are yeah, because you're more was, of a counterpuncher. Right? That's right. I'm like the Floyd Mayweather of uh, comedy. <laughs> yeah. Less exactly. domestic violence in your. Hopefully, <laughs> that's, that's just very true. Yeah, so that's interesting though, Ben. With that show, I'm. It's kind of a bummer that they're going that way. Like they're trying to make it so crafty because it seems like everything I heard to it up to this point that it was going to be very woodworking focused. Well, yeah, I mean that, that was what they initially sort of told me to. But at the, on the flip side, on on a positive one. If they mm-hmm. do go more crafting, it could be more inclusive, right? It could be doing yeah. things that involve more like glue guns and scissors and paper, which means more people, kids and stuff can like sort of like play along at home. So exactly, no problem with them sort of like doing like that. That's awesome. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 we need more good shows about making that right. are actually taking the making part seriously. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Um, but it's like, you know. You know, I, I was only sort of uh, uh, annoyed that they told me it wasn't going to be about craft, and then they like try to get me to do yeah. a holiday diorama. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, yeah. But all right, it's all so good. hope it does really well. So what are uh, what are people working on this week? Chris, you go first again. Okay, but didn't Ben just go first? Yeah, but, I, I no. told you about my silicone mold. But <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> my bad. I forgot. Right. We just uh, uh, yeah, go for it. I'll go second. <laughs> you go. So second. I uh, so I put up the modern Nelson bench video. Love it. Last week. All right, let's let the cat out of the bag. So that we're recording this. Great. We're recording this very early. It is Friday of last week right now. So we're Jeez. probably going to end up saying a lot of things that are confusing. So don't let him know. No, I'm fine. <laughs> but hey, how about that 4th of July though, right guys? Yeah. Boy, I had the best 4th of yeah. July in Me 3 too, days. But that was a shame. That was a shame about what happened in Delaware. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. That was a real shame. You but know, anyway, just- yeah, so <laughs> Those kids, oh, were, uh, those kids were just too reckless, you know? Parents yep. shouldn't have let them out doing that kind of stuff. Yep, but live and learn, people. So that's something to think about for next year. Yeah. So, yeah, I put up the Modern Nelson bench. Um, it was kind of funny. So it's actually gotten a lot of comments. Like, it's on a, a lot higher of a comment trajectory than my normal video is. And oh, it's nice. all because of the thing that I put at the end where... So basically what happened was I couldn't think of an ending. And so I was just like... I don't know. I was just like free flowing ideas. And then like a little poem popped into my head or something. And so I was like, Oh, you know what I should do? Because I always get people like 
negatively commenting about me being you know trying to be a poet or whatever on my videos so mm-hmm. it's like okay so i'm gonna like say give like a little like 20 second thing of like you know i'm trying not to do that with this video and this is more <laughs> tutorialish and then i'll immediately follow it up with a poem so yeah. it's kind of like trying to troll the trollers but i think a lot of people took me seriously and so i got like so many comments like don't switch your style we love your style blah blah, blah. so that's cool i'm glad that everybody was like you know very in support and and like the way that i'm doing the show but i just thought it was funny that no, um, I I liked it. Yeah, I, yeah. I caught on to it. it was you funny. picked it good. You picked I up did. on it. Yeah, 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 I think probably most people pick up on it, but they still uh, just want to give some encouraging words. Exactly. So can I ask you a quick question? Go for it. I don't know if you put it in the video or maybe I quit paying attention for 10 seconds. How did you <laughs> paint the inside of all of those like slats? Yeah, so if you look, there's a few shots like when I'm attaching the legs to the base, mm-hmm. you'll notice that the underside of the base is black. Yeah. So basically I spray paint. I, I did a mixture of, I used some of the uh, the leather dye. I just like put it on a rag and just kind of got it in there as good as I could with my finger. And then I also got some black spray paint and just sprayed from the underside. Uh, and then some got on the top too. So then I just like sanded back as much as of it, as much of yeah. it as I could. Yeah. It cause, real cool. And actually, I don't know if this would even work. I'm not a pro CNCer, but I had an idea for if I did have a big industrial CNC machine and I was doing that on my own, I was thinking, would it work if you basically cut out all of the slots, but just left it at like a 64th of an inch smaller than you wanted it to be. And then took that final pass, taking off that 64th of an inch. So it took off any burn marks and was barely removing any material. Yeah. Oh, that's seemed, smart. I don't know. In theory, it seems like it would work, but I don't know. Maybe the guys there probably didn't want to do it. And they're probably also not <laughs> used to real, they do more, you know, like signage type stuff. So they're probably not mm. used to CNCing through like a two inch thick slab of maple. Like yeah. it took a yeah. long time. Like I, what was that's the a big industrial it? machine. I would say it was like approaching like three hours probably. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I didn't think it was gonna be that long. Cause like, Oh, I'll just wait. For here like that a way heavy I can get duty machine too. Yeah. And that's like a big, like that thing's bed is like 12 feet by, I don't know, probably like six feet wide or something crazy. Yeah. But yeah. So it's all good though. And then, came out really cool. Yeah, it's good, man. I'm going to I'm gonna definitely try using it again on some other projects. Um, I think it'd even be cool to just like do a project where the whole finish was just like flat black. I love that flat black look. Yeah, because you still like from eight feet away, you don't see it. But then once you get close, you still see all the wood grain. Yeah, you can still see it yeah. like popping through a little bit. Exactly. Um, and then I also went today and bought plywood. So I am going to do the plywood version of the dining table. Yes, I was um, hoping you would. Yeah, right. I was hoping. Yeah, because... So the way it kind of went was at first the plywood version that I came off up with was like more of a literal interpretation of a Nakashima one. Like I was like trying to like really stay close to the design, but then just do it in plywood. But then I kind of got away from that and I was like, well, maybe I'll just do a design that's like a little bit more, I don't know, basic looking, but kind of like in the style of Nakashima. And then I was like, yeah. well, wait, why can't I just do this one out of, out of plywood? So that's what I'm going to go for. I think some of the detail shots are going to look really cool on it, but that remains to be seen. So hopefully I'm going to start cutting out all the pieces. Like this one's going to be, my wife was looking at my drawing of it and she's like, man, this one seems like it's going to take forever. I was like, well, it will. It's going to be mostly just like organizing things. Cause I would like, there are honestly probably like 60 pieces, individual pieces of plywood that are going to make this thing up. So, and most of them, you know, are then like laminated together to make like thick, chunky versions of the pieces. But just like keeping everything in order and like finding places to set everything. That's going to be the real challenge. I think in this project. It's cool. I'm excited to see it. Yep. Thank you. Post, post a picture of the sketch up on Instagram. Okay. I will. 
All right, cool. Mike, uh, what are you working on? I know you had some, uh, I've been watching your Instagram stories and saw you had a few pickups. <laughs> Golly, man. Talk about a heartbreaking <laughs> moment because this was literally in the last step of the project. It's kind of right, funny. Start from the beginning. Tell people yeah. what happened. Okay, so last week we were talking about fun. And I remember one of like my little points was like the key component of having fun working and like the whole satisfaction of it is like not putting all this work in to have it like fall apart, <laughs> um, which is what immediately followed. I think that's such a funny coincidence. <laughs> Jinx um, yourself. Yeah. So in, in this bathroom remodel, which the video is now out, it came out yesterday. So check that out. Um, I'm proud of it. I don't know if proud of it's the right word, but it was just, it was cool experimenting with format. So go check that video out and let me know if you have any cool constructive criticism because I want to do more stuff like that. So anyways, the the mirror, which is the one I've been talking about, it's like the LED frame mirror. Essentially what happened, I made this mirror, took all the time, built the light box for it, got everything all ready to where all I got to do now is attach the mirror to the light box or the frame that then gets screwed to the wall. And I use, and I'm not throwing Loctite, Loctite under the bus, but I figure I'm using this like Loctite adhesive. The weird part about it though is it says it's a mirror adhesive. The only problem I can think of is it's because I use the Rust-Oleum spray mirror mm. for the mirror finish that I can, because you spray that to the back of the glass. I can only assume that that had a reaction. But what happened is I lay the adhesive on, everything looks okay, put some weights on top and go to bed. It was the end of the night. <laughs> Wake up the next day, excited to go check it out. And for whatever reason, some kind of chemical reaction happened to where that adhesive just like burnt through that mirror finish almost. Not gotcha. through so it. You didn't, you didn't buy like a finished mirror no. that had like, a, like an adhesive dawn backing or a film backing. You spray painted on the mirrored backing. Exactly. Oh, wow. um, yeah, which is a cool project. It was kind of like a cool outside of the box way of building this mirror because... The, the main challenge in it is the the light frame is inset. So it goes mirror, right. light, then a border of mirror again. So I had to figure okay. out a way to be able to make that. Um, and obviously, I talked to the glass shop that is also a mirror shop, obviously, that I bought all the stock from. And they can actually make the mirror just how I wanted it without me going through all of it. But I figure... Yeah. I want to show the process in case you don't live somewhere with a fancy glass shop or if you just <laughs> want to do it yourself and save some money because it'll be about uh, a little over half the cost to just do it all yourself if you just get a piece of glass and do it yourself. So, so yeah, that got ruined. Uh, it was a pretty heartbreaking moment, but that's okay. Uh, I've bought a new piece of glass and I fixed it from that point. And yeah, we're we're off to the races. So you just haven't slept in like three days. <laughs> exactly. I put. I had to pull a pull an all nighter. But oh, the brutal. summer, the like hashtag summer of content on modern builds has officially started. <laughs> we're doing weekly videos at least, and I'm excited about it because awesome. I don't know. I had I had a lot. I had like a couple month like lull. It was like once we really started getting heavy into the podcast. It seemed like I like yeah. my production went. I'm not blaming the podcast, but it seems like in my head, I think I have this thing where it's like, oh, I'm making tons of content because we're doing the podcast, and then I look at my yeah. YouTube channel and it's like, oh wait, where are all my videos? You were on so, the Chris Salamone pace. Exactly. I was yeah, <laughs> I was doing that Chris Salamone pro plan project plan. But anyways, uh, things are going fun. Things are things are moving along, and I'm excited. So you know, yeah, it's funny. 
I, uh, I realized how much of an idiot I am right now. So you're, you're, ta- you're talking about this video. I'm like, well, I didn't see this video. So I go to your channel <laughs> yeah. and I was looking for it right now. And then I'm like, oh, I just talked about how we're recording this early. I know. I was, I was like, <laughs> I didn't I'm do the doing math. my like real, a- my best job acting here. Like acting, <laughs> yeah. acting like in the present tense for them listening. Yeah. Um, but, have yeah. you guys, when you've built a mirror, have you, have you done it before where you've bought a piece of mirror from a glass shop that's like a nice thick mirror? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I did that for my bathroom and man, I'm always amazed like how much better the reflection looks off of that yeah. thing than like a cheap, a cheap one, you know, like vanity mirror. <laughs> yeah, it's like the thickness is like way th- right. Yeah, yeah. Like, it makes like such a like quarter inch thick looks. glass. If you go to Target and get like one of those really cheap ones, it's like an eighth of an inch thick and yeah. it's like yeah. flexible. Almost. <laughs> it's exactly. like a yeah, fun it's house like mirror. Distorted. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure. It it is, man. It's like totally different when you see and. I mean, yeah, I know you need to know how to work with things to make it, but like, if you do, like, it's so much better looking. Like, it just feels yeah. like a high quality piece. Yeah, because that it was the the first time that full length mirror I built a couple months back. That was the first time I mm-hmm. bought a mirror, and once I got it all set in there and looked at, it, I was like, "Dang, this is like the best reflection I've ever seen." <laughs> so yeah. You so what it was are we talking about this a week? A ketogenic diet working out, but it turns out it was just a mirror. <laughs> that was the thing is I bought I bought one of those slim mirrors just to make myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. I haven't lost any weight. It's just like, oh no, I look 180. No, <laughs> I think we're just going over some questions and just generally sort of uh, chatting a little about what we're yeah. working on. And uh, so who wants to, who wants to kick well, us off? We we got a couple questions okay. written in. So some of them we might have talked about a little bit before, but let's go over them. So Eric Rozick, he wrote in, hey guys, I just listened to the podcast today uh, about the guy who had the table saw accident. But after mm. listening to it a few times, I still cannot understand how he was cutting the wood or how it happened. Figured a short video would be good just to clear it up. So whatever he did, I or other woodworkers could learn from and avoid or at least be aware of. Thanks again yeah. for all your great content. I'm, I'm kind of hesitant to try. Yeah, I'm kind of hesitant to try to guess exactly how he was making the cut. I mean, he described it. It was a bevel cut, but on his table saw, the um, riving knife couldn't tilt, so he couldn't use the riving knife. Mm-hmm. And he said that that was the big downfall. So it didn't really have. I mean, I, I think the main takeaway is use a riving knife. Well, and I think the other big issue from what I understand as well is his material was either slightly wider or just as wide as it was long. And yeah. so, and he wasn't using a uh, miter gauge. Is that what that's called? Yeah. All he was doing was referencing off the rip fence. So whenever the that uh, that piece of wood where it had all that figuring, where it did catch the blade, there was nothing to like reinforce the back of it from pulling. Right. Because he had his front hand like in front of the blade. So when it kicked back, it basically drug his hand across yes. across the blade. So... Uh, the two yeah. major like mistakes from what I understand is he had a, a really wide piece, you know, the same as it was length and he was only referencing off of the fence. And then the second thing was he had his front hand way past the blade at the front of the work piece holding mm. it. Um, yeah. So and those I'm are the to, two takeaways I think from it. And it's also because again, since we don't know the table saw and all that. So I'm not, I, I'm also not clear on the miter gauge part because if it was not wide enough, you could actually still use the miter gauge and yeah. have your hand in front of it. And then you technically wouldn't need a fence unless you were worried about like, you know, it rocking mm. back and forth. So you're not getting a clean cut. Yeah. I think, but yeah, I mean, that's a takeaway is if you can use a, use a riving knife, if you know, you're going to be building, like, I'm sure he does this now, but if you're going to be building something repeatedly where you're going to make those kind of cuts all the time, make sled. yourself some kind of jig. Like, yeah, yeah, you could easily make a sled that has a, you know, a fort that's made to use 
on a 45 degree bevel if you know you're going to be making that cut all the time yeah um but yeah i mean if uh if dan if you're listening to this and and you want to maybe like make some kind of uh little instagram something video illust- we can repost yeah, or something, it or something that just like kind of illustrates it yeah just let us know yeah <clears throat> you can put it on your channel so everyone if you're not already go check him out um a perfect five with a perfect five woodworks with underscores between everything so check him out maybe he'll put something up and dan if you want us to just let us know and we'll put something up yeah cool cool be safe all right be <laughs> next safe. question hashtag be safe uh next one comes in from derek muñoz Ooh. Says working a physical full time job on top of being on top of it being overnights, I find it hard to find motivation to get projects done. Getting home from work at five a.m. five a.m. I can't really work on anything because everyone's asleep. I sleep until the afternoon, then go back to work. My biggest issue is finding time on my two days off to get work done. But I'm so beat up from work, I usually end up sleeping the day away. What are some suggestions or advice for finding time to get projects done? And how can I find the motivation to get out of bed early on my day off and finish projects? Love the podcast. I listen to it at work. My first podcast ever. I prefer it now over music. Get a new job. (laughs) Is that what you were going to say, Ben? I've been there. Um, there was a time when I, you know, before I went to Cornell and I was, I was doing a class at a community college, kind of getting all, trying to get ready to, to sort of, uh, uh, you know, take higher education kind of get your to the next level. Yeah. Right. Cleaning up for all the, the slacking off I did in high school. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was working, uh, I was working, you know, 40 hours a week at, at a hotel and uh, still trying to take, you know, like a full schedule of classes. And I was often doing like night shifts and stuff like that to do it. And it was, yeah, it was brutal. Like, uh, and uh, definitely there. And just the disruption to your sleep cycles, even if you have two days off on, on a weekend or something, it doesn't feel like it. You're just kind of recovering from this like jet lag, basically. That being said, uh, there's always a way. Um, and it's just cutting out other things that you may think are normal, like, uh, yeah. you know, televisions, you know, sports, social stuff and all those things. And, but don't also put pressure on yourself just to make things because you think you're supposed to. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, you should constantly be reevaluating your priorities and looking at where you're spending your time so that you're getting the most out of it. And that could be making stuff, but it might not be. Uh, so it's, it's really just that there's always more time. There's always something that can be cut. There's always more efficiencies to be gleaned. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I know, but I, I, I empathize. I've, I've, I've been there. It's, it's rough. Yeah, and yeah. Whenever, whenever I was starting the channel, uh, I was going full-time for school, and I had a part-time job, and it was one of those kind of things where I was like, okay, I can, you know, I got a couple of days of work to be able to really do anything um, with it. So I think one of the big things was just being really critical of what I chose to actually start working on instead of just having an yeah. idea. And like where now, I, if I have an idea and I think it's good, I'll just run with it. But whenever mm-hmm. you have a limited amount of time, really kind of be a little bit more critical of your own ideas and say, is, is this something that I'm going to be excited about the whole process through and just really choose the things that you're really excited about doing. Right. And yeah. uh, on the flip side, I've had too much motivation to work at times, too. When I uh, when I started my sort of tech company, I think I went like almost two years without taking a day off. I mean, because one, it was like my identity was so tied up in it. Mm-hmm. I was really interested in it. But. I was, I was also way younger. I was like, not that good at work-life balance. Yeah. Um, I'm still probably not great at it, but I think better, better. But, uh, and that was a case where it was like so much motivation. I so wanted this thing to be awesome and it was so interesting and it was exciting and it was a roller coaster 
that it was just like too much obsession where yeah. I only had motivation to do that and nothing else. <laughs> so <laughs> too much motivation can also be not yeah. great. So Chris, you're, you're going like, you're, you're doing the like full-time YouTube, full-time job and being a like family dad. Oh yeah, yeah. family dad, <laughs> family dad, family <laughs> guy dad. is what I almost said. I wasn't trying to get hit with any copyright infringements. No, <laughs> so like I, that, I mean that's obviously gonna be dad. something you struggle with a little bit. I'm sure there's plenty of times where it's like you don't really want to be out in the shop. Maybe yeah, I was gonna, but say, you got to. I was gonna say, what do you guys think of this? So the thing that popped into my head while you guys were talking was getting rid of the notion that it always that you always should feel motivated and excited mm. like obviously you should choose products or projects that you do want to complete and that, and that do excite you ultimately but you're still going to have times where like you wake up in the morning and you would rather just laze around yeah and i think honestly i mean it's kind of a simplistic answer but it really is like you just go sometimes and start you gotta doing do it, yeah it. sometimes you just got to suck it up yeah, you just, and you yeah. know, and honestly, like, it's just getting started is always the hardest part with anything <laughs> yeah. in life, pretty much. Like, yeah. you know, going to the gym, like, the hardest, the hardest part about going to the gym was going to the gym. <laughs> and then once you were there and you were doing it, it's yeah. fine. And same thing with working on projects. Like, once you're out there, you're doing it, you're making progress, everything's cool. You're not dreading it the whole time. Yeah. It's just like taking that initial step. So I would say just like, even if you don't want to, just get up and go do it and tell yourself, you know what? Okay, fine. If, if after a half hour of, of doing it, I'm still not feeling it, then you can stop. But chances are you probably won't. You'll probably be fine once you're going. Nice. Hashtag motivation Monday. Boom. Wait, it's Thursday today. Oh but, yeah. I don't Whoops. Know. <laughs> <laughs> motivation Thursday. I was going to yeah. say something else about this too, but I, I can't remember now, but Ben, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think it, it harkens back to last week's sort of episode when we were talking about sort of fun versus satisfaction and things like that mm -hmm. uh there may be times when it isn't fun but if it's satisfying it's okay if it's not always fun in the in the moment right yeah it's sort of like uh if you get up early to go surfing the water could be really cold but it's still overall enjoyable even though the beginning of it's kind of unpleasant you know <laughs> putting on a cold damp wetsuit and getting started yeah. yeah i remembered what i was gonna say so this was something that that i've kind of changed my mind about so i'll be interested to hear what you guys think of this so when I first started, I used to always think more like short term in terms of like where I want to be. So, you know, where do I want to be in six months? Where do I want to be in one year? Yeah. And I've started thinking about it a lot more long term. So like right now, the way that I try to think about it is where do I want to be when I'm 40? Because I think you have a lot more. Con well, that'd be way too big for you, Mike. But so you can say 25. <laughs> it's like 100 years. Oh, I forgot. Where do I want to be in 19 years? <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think you have a lot more control over that because mm. and that's not to say that like, OK, so if you think like that, then you're going to be lazier about doing things. I, I don't think it does that at all. I think it makes you look at the big picture and not get discouraged if in three months you're not where you wanted to be in three months. Yeah. So you're saying yeah. that more on like a like quote unquote professional level or like in personal life? I think everything. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I mostly think about it from like a, prof a professional mm -hmm. point of view. But like, yeah, just where what do you want your life? One of the things that made me think about it is I just I think about people who are in their lot who, who have a lot in life where it's like not where they wanted it to be. And then sometimes that can be very discouraging. And like you almost think like it's over for you. Yeah. But yeah. if you're 35, like, don't worry about, well, okay, I'm not on pace with other people who are 35. Just worry about, okay, well, where do I need to be when I'm 40? And what can I do today 
to make sure that I am yeah. there when I'm 40. I, I always say for that, uh, worry about direction, not location, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. As long as you're going in the right direction, it doesn't matter as much as where you are because it means at least you're surviving now and things are going to get better. So the thing I always say with like uh, to startups and to uh, or just sort of entrepreneurs that are kind of doing what we're doing, sort of independent media stuff is don't focus on goals, subscriber numbers or you know total sales or revenue. Focus on getting to a situation where you're paying your bills and you're learning. If you can get to the point where you're 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 making money and learning stuff, it doesn't matter how fast you're doing it. It means life is going to continue to get better for you. So for me, it's all about direction and trajectory, because no matter how much I've done or how little I've done, I'm normally happiest and having the most fun or feeling the most energetic when I like the direction that I'm going. It doesn't matter whether you're at the beginning of something or at the middle or near the end of something. It's fun when you're moving and you're and you're seeing things happen. So all I really focus on for sort of metrics uh, at a sort of high level is just, am I Am I making enough money to pay all the bills? And am I, lear- <laughs> am, am I adding skill sets and learning stuff along the way? Yeah. That yeah. means I'm I'm adding to my sort of financial uh, situation. And at the same time, I'm becoming a more equipped and capable person. Very yep. cool. Yeah. I like that question. That turned into a good one. That was, yeah. yeah. Great question. Who asked it? That was Derek Munoz. Shout out, Derek. Professional question asker. Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, see, just quit your overnight job and get a, a full-time job writing in podcast questions. <laughs> All right, next one. This one's a little, uh, this one's going to be a Ben question. It comes in from Javier Bonilla. He says, Ben, can you take us through the Ergo Kiwi mess? Okay, uh, so I don't I know what this. that is. No, so I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, Mike. No, he, so you're going to have to give us some background. But he says, there's a lot of unhappy people out there, and it seemed Sean has failed. I, I don't know. Should we use the name? Should we cut yeah, that out? Yeah, let's do it, man. No, it's fine? Okay. So Sean, no last name, has failed to be up front with his backers. A lot can be learned from turbulent Kickstarter campaigns. It would be interesting to hear what went wrong and what could have been done to prevent the problems that arose. So what is this whole Kiwi Ergo mess? The new Philip DeFranco. Let's go, Ben. Hello, you beautiful bastards. (laughs) (laughs) Ergo Kiwi is a great product that was pretty poorly mismanaged. And so Sean, the sort of founder of it, uh, spent two years designing a better handle for an exacto knife. Okay, and that's found what the Ergo me, Kiwi is. Yeah, and so he found me at some sort of uh, networking event and came up to me and uh, sort of pitched the thing to me, and I ended up investing. Oh, uh, not only my own money, um, but I encouraged several of my sort of investor partners that we do occasional sort of invest in startups or real estate projects. I'm like, hey, this kid developed a really good product. It's way better than a traditional X-Acto knife handle. He's designed hundreds of iterations and it's ready to go. Let's let's invest in this, do a Kickstarter campaign, and uh, we can really turn this into something great. Yeah. It did really well on Kickstarter, right? Yeah. Did like over 70,000 on Kickstarter. Nice. And when we sort of did the investment deal, I broke a few of my normal investment rules. Whereas Sean was obsessed with maintaining ownership. He was so worried about... It's really interesting. He was very worried about the IP getting stolen and very worried about losing control of the company. Mm-hmm. So even though he doesn't have like a you know background in design where all the investors, every single one of his investors has done way bigger deals, has oh. done multi-million dollar deals, startups, real estate deals. One of the guys has done, you know, is literally working on like 40 to $50 million real estate projects. 
the other guys had you know tech companies and the valuations of the the 20s to 50s of millions so these are really successful people that have done a lot of things that just like kind of investing in these small projects for fun and also because they think that there's uh you know we want to learn some specific things about product manufacturing and also distribution on things like amazon and stuff like that it wasn't a huge amount of money for for us but uh you know anytime you give you know multiple thousands of dollars to someone you kind of expect to be treated <laughs> with uh, uh respect and at the very least have your emails answered um, so i want to do a caveat and i like sean personally i think he's a i think he means well i think he got in over his head and when he got in over his head he turtled up and hid instead of sort of asking for help and yeah. doing that okay and i think he he started blaming other people and i think anytime you do that and you start feeling sorry for yourself it just makes it harder on you to get out of it and so he uh uh we did really well to kickstarter um he over as many kickstarters do so this is no shade on him he he did these sort of napkin sketches of like how long he would take to make it and so we asked him like you know do you think you can do you have enough time to do this so he did do a really good job in that he i think he delivered like uh, we sold over like i think like 1100 kiwis something around that and he's delivered 900 of them right and he okay. made them all by hand oh, so wow. this kid is oh, wow. not lazy he worked his ass off but he's really bad at communication so i've i've donated to kickstarters i did this one for this coffee maker that my friend created it's a hand ground uh coffee grinder and it was about a year and a half between when i gave the money and that and it kept being delays but they were really good at communicating what they were doing so no people some people complained, but right. nobody like right. went crazy on them. Yeah, because most people understand when they're investing in a Kickstarter, it's like they have to develop the right. the manufacturing part process. The, part too. of the game. Yeah. And I think if Sean would have just said, hey, I'm overwhelmed. I mismanaged this. I didn't plan this. I should have factored in more. I should have charged more so I had more money for labor and all these things. Uh, yeah. But he doesn't communicate that. He just disappears. Oh. And then people see on his personal social media accounts that he's traveling and doing fun stuff so it's a bad look that only gets yeah, yeah so uh it's unfortunate it's an awesome product i love the product and it was interesting i met with them recently and i'm saying okay what's the plan for getting out of this because i'm still out my investment uh and so are the other investors and they're kind of a little annoyed at me because i recommended this thing and they yeah. all said we don't want him in charge he has no business experience why are we letting him in charge like and in general i don't think a lot of designers make good sort of business people um mm -hmm. But it was his first thing. I could see how important it was. So I sort of I caved and let him, you know, we didn't demand on our investment being contingent on us having the majority stake. Yeah. And for me, it was a good lesson. It's like if I invest in another thing like that with a founder that doesn't have this type of experience, I'll invest. But only if I know that like an experienced operator is leading the thing. Yeah. So I met with them recently. They're still owe 200 knives. Um, Sean has a full-time job. He's not getting salary from Kiwi. So this is, again, one of the situations where he's working a, you know, you know, a, a full-time job and having to find time on the side. Yeah. But yeah. that's hard. But that's what being an entrepreneur is. Like, you know, it's not easy. Go watch, some, go watch some, Gary, some Gary Vanderchuk videos, right? And get all pumped up. And there are some times <laughs> where, you, where 
you can't make excuses and you just got to suck it up and work those 80 to 90 hours a week because that's what it takes to make these kinds of things work. Right. It's not easy. Otherwise, everyone would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so where does Kiwi stand now? Like what? They owe 200, they owe 200 knives to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they have the materials. I mean, uh, you know, there's there's no reason he, he, he shouldn't be able to get them out. And plans are uh, still he, go to go to production you know, in the coming and the, months and all this or right. Yeah. So the, you know, the last time I met with them, I said, Hey, even if all you can do is like get 10 knives a week out to people, do it. And every time you send one out, post it on your Facebook and say, I'm really sorry it's taking so long. This is one more out the door. Yeah. And we're one knife closer to getting the last of you, your knives, right? right. People will understand if you tell them that, but you have to communicate. And it's really easy. Once you sort of, once you lose momentum in something, to kind of just hide and turtle up and not want to deal with the world, right? Like pull the covers over your head. But that's that that's that's such a weak way to handle things, yeah. right? Like uh, own your mistakes. Like I've, I've had a lot of things that haven't worked out for me and sometimes it's embarrassing. And you know, the older I get, the more cautious I get at sort of projecting where I think things are gonna go because I, I've, I've had, you know, <laughs> I've had some pretty cocky moments in in my life uh, and uh, had to see friends that I was telling about all these th- awesome things that I thought were going to happen and seeing them go, hey, did that ever happen? I'm like, oh, no, it, it kind of fell apart. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. Um, so, but it's like once you start sort of, you know, hiding that and sort of, you know, tucking your tail in between your legs and, and hiding. Uh, also, it's a great lesson in not over-promising. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And when when I did a Kickstarter campaign, uh, I knew that the the total, you know, I wanted to have a big total number up there for sales. So there's part of me was tempted to kind of lower lower the price of the product because then you're going to get way more sales, right? Yeah. But I also didn't want to get into a situation where you're you you generate a huge sales number, but you're actually going to lose money on it, so you never fulfill them because you kind of trap yourself into a corner, which happens with a ton of Kickstarters. Yeah. So you know, you know, the lesson when I did my Kickstarter campaign, in which we delivered all the products, um, <laughs> so it is doable. Uh, but it was also for me, it was realizing I didn't have time to do this as a side hustle. So it, you know, when I designed the the U by four, uh, I sold it. I sold the design to someone that to a company that could handle the manufacturing and distribution. Part of me, you know, as a designer, wants to control the things I design, but I had to be realistic and realize it was beyond the time that I was willing to commit. Yeah. So right. it made more sense to get less total money, but to give it to someone that actually can deliver it. Mm-hmm. And it's no loss to my ego. It's actually improving it to know that I can work with other people, hand something off, still get a royalty on the sales of them. And uh, not clutter up my life, sort of making the same thing day after day. Oh, I got a question for right, it's you. Less. Oh, go ahead. So, yeah. what's the deal with the U by four now? Only because on that one desk I made with the U by four, I've gotten a couple comments about they're not available or something now. I think they're still. I think they're still for sale. I think that company is struggling uh-huh. uh, in general. But I think the the last I checked, they're still for sale on their their website. You just have to dick around a little bit to find. Okay, it. Cool. it's on the Sueño website. But uh, I'll uh, I'll tweet out a link uh, when I find. Okay, it. cool. But yeah, they're 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 fun little stuff. I, yeah. I, enjoyed it very cool very cool all right next question nice. chris unless you have something i cut you off <laughs> oh no i was just gonna say something very uh very important but never mind no just i don't even remember what it was 
<laughs> I'm sure yeah, it was but... stupid. I'm sure it was a joke. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we don't have any more questions, but we can hop into a hypothetical. Let's do it. Yeah. Quite possibly the most goofy hypothetical we've had to date. Did you make it? So for this one, I'm, I made it. And I'm going to let you guys debate this one out and then I'll, I'll give you the right answer. So you're after. proud of this or No, one. I'll just, oh, baby. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. But So I figured, you know, with this, you know, being in honor of today, yeah. National Fried Chicken Day and International Kissing Day, would you rather, one... Every time you greet somebody where a handshake would be the proper greeting, you have to go in for a hug. And every time where a hug would be the proper greeting, you have to go in for a kiss. By the way, the kiss can be on the cheek. Uh So that's situation one. Or two, every time you're gathering with four people or more, you have to insist that you'll bring a bucket of KFC chicken. (laughs) The chicken. Oh, for for sure the first one. That's that's way easier. Yeah, if there wasn't wasn't the third option. (laughs) So that means like every time you're at an interview or like meeting with a company, Ben, you're going to, if you know, normally you'd shake their hand, you got to go in for that hug. You'll just be known as like, you're the hug guy. Like eventually you'll get known for it. And like, it will be weird at first until word gets around that. Like he's a hugger. Watch out. (laughs) What about though? When, when you would normally hug though, now you got to go in for the kiss. Yeah, I, yeah, it, yeah. It would just make me sort of change my sort of general parameters. Yeah, <laughs> I, just have, adjust. I guess you could do like the European kiss thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go side to side like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Still so that's it. You guys are both going hug kiss over over the KFC chicken. You know the the KFC chicken one is uh, is pretty pretty tempting. I'm not gonna lie, just because KFC it's, chicken's pretty tasty. Mm. <laughs> it seems difficult to pull off. <laughs> well, let's Are say you that just in always this gonna world, have some chicken at the ready. <laughs> like, well, let's just say that somehow in this magical world, there's always a convenient KFC. Yeah, uh, there's always a KFC uh, right down I mean, the street. Y- you know, it could just be a thing where people could just not eat your chicken, and as long as you don't address yeah, it, it never to has it. to be a real thing. You can just always. Just like, hey, I brought smell. a bucket if you want some. But I think you would always smell like fried chicken. Yeah, though, that's a and bad. That would be like you'd be the fried chicken smelling. That's dude. true too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but people probably like salivating when you come around. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, well, I want some some people might really like you though, because yeah. you're going to get invites yeah. like crazy from a select few people, because you're always going to have chicken. I got to I got to admit at first I thought oh the KFC chicken's the way to go because if I'm hanging out with a group of four or more people they're probably my friends so whatever I don't I'll just bring chicken KFC's to my friends. I think KFC is that great though. I'd rather well, have okay, some it can be a, it chicken. can be a difference. I'd have like I would <laughs> rather have some like slim chickens. Y'all got slim chickens out there? Never heard of that. Man. No, but fr- fried chicken is interesting cuz it's like one of those foods where like pretty much every country I've been to has had has some a, version of it. Has had a version of fried chicken. Yeah. I've had awesome fried chicken in the Caribbean. I've had awesome fried chicken in Thailand. China, chickadee China, the Chinese chicken. Terrible. Do you song. remember that song, Mike? Are you I, well, that came out it? like when you were born? I, I've I've heard that phrase. I didn't know it was a song though. That, that oh like man, bare naked right? ladies. Oh, uh, yeah. I think they had, but probably not like mass hits. But they've they have like a whole career. <laughs> the Chris hits. <laughs> he loves the <laughs> deep tracks. Me. He's not all about the chickadee chicken. Whatever you say. I celebrate their entire catalog. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, there. So tell me about this slim chickens, Mike. I got to hear about. Oh them, no, it's just. Gr- I love it's a just, good fried chicken. You know, it's like a chain, but it's just a good. It's like a solid. Just a good bird. Solid fried. Yeah, it's a good bird. <laughs> Y'all got like raisins. There used canes? to be this place called. Uh, there used to be this place called Pioneer Chicken out here, uh-uh. and now there's only two yeah. left. And you know that one? Yeah, there's only wagon, two left. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like, like in greasier like, than, than oh, it's KFC. so greasy. Huh. Yeah, it's in like only in bad parts of LA. There's just two of them left. Yeah, and they're so crispy that I I always described it as the like 
skin or whatever, the fried part, is actually like f- hovering off of the chicken. There's <laughs> yeah. like a it's layer like of a air. But, batter kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Nice. Nice. Got to have a Pioneer Chicken meetup after the Applebee's meetup. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So cool. the correct answer was the chicken. The chicken. The chicken. Good the chicken. job. It's a good one, though. So any, uh, yeah, any current obsessions? I got a kind of one. Uh, so... Last weekend, I built a... I'm always on a quest for motorizing my slider, you know, that I take, like, my ending shots with. Yeah. So I found... Actually, somebody on the I Like to Make Stuff um, Facebook group turned me on to it. I can't remember who it was, but it's this thing called a Turns Pro. And so it's basically... It's like, I don't know, they're maybe like 80 bucks or so, maybe 100. And it's a little cylindrical thing that you can mount a camera on top of and you can screw into a tripod. So like you could do like panning type stuff, yeah. but you can also just kind of wrap a string around it and basically just like rig it up so that it'll pull the camera. And man, this thing has like so much control in terms of the timing. Like I was looking at motors and then you got to get a controller and like they're really expensive and they seem complicated to use this. Like all the buttons are just right on there so you can just push it and set it. And I always like doing like very slow things and this thing can go like insanely slow. You could set it to go as slow as to turn 15 degrees. So that would be like what from that's like not even a whole hour, like, you know, from in the hour hand going from one to two or whatever over the course of 10 hours, you could make it so it can rotate that low. So it can like slide, rotate all kinds of nonsense. Well, it just rotates, but you can just like rig up like, so I just rigged up a little thing with fishing line and like some screws and you know, it was like five bucks in material to rig it up to be a a motor. I've made a real janky uh, slider. Uh, so yeah. have you've seen like the little like skateboard setup I use? Basically, I just lay down a piece yeah. of MDF, put a skateboard on it, and then stack pieces of scrap wood until I have the camera at the height I want. Works great. Yeah. Like no one, uh-huh. I mean, if I didn't post pictures on Instagram, I'm sure no one would assume I'm using the most ghetto slider rig ever made. Hey, whatever works. But yeah. I, had I used the to idea. do the furniture dolly. So. <laughs> For real. So it's all the same. I had the idea of I wanted to make a moving shot with me in the frame. Which this idea is still a good idea. The, just the execution right. wasn't there, and I didn't feel like investing the time to make it work. <laughs> um, it was kind of one of those like first attempts didn't work. Ah, screw it. Who cares? It was just an idea, anyways. <laughs> so what I did was I got fishing line. I tied it to the trucks of the skateboard. Then okay. I got that same fishing line and then hooked it around like a drill bit in my in my drill and yeah. got a zip tie and got it to where like I, it tightened just <laughs> it enough just- to where it was barely t- turning. And it worked out uh, pretty good. If I, you know, if I spent ten more minutes on it, it probably would have worked. So now, now that I talk about it, Man. I want to go do it. We're gonna have to change your name to Mark Scorsese. I know I'm out here Setting like up those oh. shots. <laughs> primitive tech meets. No, you know that's what I was using for before I got the this turns pro thing for my motor. I was using a little little drill Ryobi. So you'll be happy about that. A drill, <laughs> I will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just like got like a couple nuts and some fishing line yeah. and rigged around there. And I would just try to hold it as tight as I could and just get it going. Nice. It works. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, a, it's a, it's a pain in the butt after doing it for a little while. So this is nice to not have to like try to hold a trigger down consistently every time. Exactly. You're not paying for the actually being able to do it. It's just the convenience of it. Yep. Cool. So for me, I'm currently obsessed with trying to create more space and get rid of clutter. Mm. So I went and uh, ordered a tool shed uh, from from Home Depot, like one of those like prefab ones for like yeah. 600 bucks. So it's like seven feet by, it's basically a seven foot cube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to put it in my backyard and then I got to, you know, 
figure out a way to lock it all up and make it secure and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I've just been going through and like every once in a while I feel like I get a little claustrophobic, like all the sort of like little leftover scrap materials, extra tools and stuff like that starts creeping in on me. Yeah. And I feel like I need a way to sort of archive it. So uh, I've been really looking at sort of strategies of how I can sort of keep things on hand, but also sort of have things out of the way. So I went and got that. So that should create an extra little storage space that's seven by seven by seven. And then uh, I also, interestingly enough, uh, discovered this really cool app uh, or this sort of web company called Omni that's just getting started. And it's basically... It's really interesting what they're doing, but basically you can like take a photo of something and they'll come and they'll archive it for you. And then when you need it, you sort of like go into the app, go through the photos of the things that you've archived and they'll send it back to you. Um, huh. So it's like awesome for like snowboards or stuff like that that take up room every day, but you might only use them a few times a year if that. Interesting. So um, how does that work logistically? So, like you send it to them and they store it? I'm confused. Yeah. Okay. Or they, Sorry, my yeah, voice cracked Or they there. come pick it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're primarily in uh, uh, San Francisco-based, yeah. as you know, okay. like all tech companies are. And they just did, like, you know, the, I think they just raised their sort of uh, their Series A funding and are, and are in the process of sort of blowing up and building out their products and things. But I was talking to one of the founders, and he was he had this really interesting sort of vision of the future, which which I find exciting, where... You could store things like, like, say, specialty tools. Like, I hardly ever use a biscuit joiner. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I could like put this bit, you know, send a biscuit joiner to them, so they keep it, and whenever I need it, I give them like a, you know, forty-eight hour heads notice, and they send it back to gotcha. me. Right. But I could also make it available to my friends. Oh, nice. Right. That's kind of so cool. my friends on on the app could sort of then use it too. Right. So I think it would be it's like something I'm uh, I might experiment with like my drone and actually send my drone to them and then my other photography friends and stuff like that could like have access to it because I feel bad like the the drones you know it's like a $1,600 piece of equipment and I only use it every once in a while for certain projects right. and it would be awesome if I could make it available to people uh, that so obviously there's sort of you know challenges of like what happens somebody damages and then all that <laughs> but overall I really like this idea of creating sort of a library of things where more people can get more use out of the expensive specialty tools I like it yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, I don't want to ask a million questions about it, but uh, oh, check out does, the website. It's called beomni. dot com. Okay. Okay. Because now I'm like, I have like people exploiting it for business ideas that are just like flooding into my head yeah, right just now. Check it out. Like, uh, I don't have all the answers, but it's, it's, it's like having a rentable a tool library or something. Exactly. When, yeah. When people first described Uber, wait, you're gonna get in like other people's cars? Like that's so weird. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, check it out beomni. dot com. Cool. I'm kind of, uh, it was funny, you were talking about like lumber storage and like tool storage. That's kind of what I've been researching a little bit this week uh, for the new shop is right now currently in the old shop, I don't even have any really form of lumber storage. It's just like a corner that I have a stack of three quarter material, half inch material, that kind of stuff. That's as far as the storage and organization goes. So kind of figuring Mm -hmm. out like if I want to do vertical storage or horizontal storage for all that all that scrap that you build up. So it's not just like laying around everywhere and it's like, oh, I moved this pile to over here so it's out of my way for now or, you know, that kind of thing. So kind of trying to figure out a halfway permanent solution for it. How close of a place, so say not Home Depot, not Lowe's, to go get lumber do you guys have to you? Like how long is the turnaround trip for you guys? To go to like a a hardwood dealer is like 30 minutes. But then again... One way? Uh... 
Yeah, it's between okay, twenty so thirty, depending on traffic. For for me, it's not that far, but traffic here yeah. is like brutal. So it's like an hour round trip. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. About the same. Okay. More distance, less traffic, though. Yeah, it's far enough that it's inconvenient to just exactly. Or far enough that you still want to have some stuff on hand and be kind of planned ahead a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Awesome. Should we wrap it up? Yeah, give us an Let's outro, Chris. You haven't done one. Oh, have you done boy. one before? I've done one before, but okay. I'm the intro king, baby. I know. But I know. All right, I'll, I'll do an outro. So <laughs> hopefully you enjoyed this episode. I know you're already subscribed, but if you're not, shame on you and subscribe. Make sure you keep leaving, the, leaving them reviews. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. Make sure you're staying motivated and loving life and eating chicken and kissing people. Oh, one thing. And uh, one other thing. There's a really cool challenge. Uh, can I want to give a shout out to a sponsor. Oh, yeah. They're doing something that all you can get involved with. So check out the Quick Crete One Bag Wonder competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, still plenty of time to enter. Uh, it's really easy. Just go get a bag of Quick Crete. You can get one for like five bucks. Uh, make something cool. And you, I think first prize is like $2,500. So uh, go out, have some fun, make a mess, make something with concrete. I'll be doing that. Shortly. Go do it. All right. See you guys. Later. Later. Bye. All right. Cool. Good stuff.